0: Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome to this week's episode of Tales of Moxie. I invited my friend Carolyn to help host this week.
1: Hi, Jenna Lee. Thanks so much for having me here. It was really such an honor to um, get to interview our guest with you this week. Um, her name is Kelsey Baldwin, and she wrote a book called Strong Girl, Brave Girl. Um, and it's a, an amazing story of kind of what's happened to her in the last few years of her life. Um, and our discussion together was really interesting.
0: It was. She has quite a story. Um, I loved her book, and I, I loved getting a chance to talk to her because we talked about kind of starting over and being brave enough to live a life that wasn't what you expected to be mm-hmm. living and then the messy in between of all of it. So I know that we can all relate to that mm-hmm. on so many different levels. So, Settle in, and I hope that you guys enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. All right, welcome back to Tales of Moxie season two, and we're really excited because we are getting the opportunity today to meet with someone that Carolyn and I both read her book and both got to know a little bit about her story. And it's a really inspiring story. She is author of Strong Girl, Brave Girl. She is mama to poppy and she is owner of Paper and Oats. And we're so excited to welcome Kelsey Baldwin. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. Thank you guys. Thanks for being here. We would love if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your story, and then we can just kind of jump right in.
2: Yeah. Do you want me to start like at the beginning?
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you're comfortable with that.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm Kelsey and um, I guess where to start would be that um, kind of how the book starts um, is that I used to be married for almost five years. We were married Um, and kind of just came home from work one day and he told me he didn't want to be married anymore. And I was working as a designer um, at an agency and kind of just a few months before had kind of started dipping into um, and my Etsy shop a little bit more um, was trying to get more freelance clients so that I could kind of take all of that full time. Um, So it was definitely a shock. It was not something he had ever brought up before Um, did not see it coming. and. so we kind of had that conversation and then he left and i went to the bathroom and took a pregnancy test and it was positive so it was like two crazy changes all happening on the same day um i thought someone might be like playing a joke on me or something it was kind of wild <laughs> so um but that was kind of the first day of like a totally different life than i expected um so he moved out a week later and i went through my whole pregnancy you know as a single mom from day one so that's kind of kind of all I've ever known which feels weird and almost maybe makes it a little bit easier sometimes because I don't know any different um but I had Poppy and she's amazing she's um hilarious and super smart and I don't I don't regret anything that happened because I wouldn't have her so um but I was able to kind of really focus on my business. After that, I kind of channeled a lot of my grief into my business um, and was able to grow that and eventually quit my job and be able to work from home um, after I had Poppy. So that's kind of the gist of it. (laughs)
1: And I know you've told this story so many times, I'm sure, (laughs) um, that it probably seems normal to you. Um, Yeah, we're hearing it for the first time. Um, Tell us a little bit more about kind of the emotions that went along with it. You mentioned grieving. And I know you talk a lot about that process in your book. Um, But just what was that like to come home and kind of have the floor dropped out from under you, so to speak, when your life like changes completely in just a matter of a few hours?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was for sure unexpected. And Grief was an emotion. I do talk about it a lot in the book and I think it kind of maybe took a while for the grief to kick in, which sounds a little odd, but I felt, um, initially I felt relieved and I didn't understand why I felt like that because I didn't, I mean, I wasn't looking forward to that or anything. Um, I don't think it's something anybody wishes when they get married. Um, So it was kind of like I felt, relief, but I felt guilt about feeling relief. Um, and I think it took a while to realize that our marriage really wasn't healthy. Um, and so I talk a little bit about that in the book. And um, we certainly both had faults. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was for sure grief came into play and still does. Um, and I talk about it in the book that like, it's not necessarily when somebody dies, which is kind of how I think most of us associate it with. But just when anything ends unexpectedly. And so I grieved the marriage. I grieved kind of the entrance into motherhood that I thought I would have, um, what my pregnancy would look like, what giving birth would look like. You know, every step along the way, I still have to grieve things that I'm like, like she's starting kindergarten this year and that'll look different than what I expected because it'll just be me. And so it's kind of a continual process. It's not something that I'm ever like done grieving and now I've moved on. I feel like it's something that's just kind of becomes part of your life, which is weird a little bit, <laughs> but you get used to it.
0: Do you feel like at some point you had to readjust your expectations and set new expectations for this new set of life, this new position? What did that look like to you?
2: Yeah, I for sure had to adjust expectations and I still do like all the time. <laughs> um Yeah, I just had to expect, um, kind of just like grieve the old expectations of what I thought all these seasons would look like um, and kind of create new ones for, um, okay, he's not going to be there when she's born. My mom is there. And, um, you know, the naming process of how to name your child with someone that you're like removing from your life is weird. And so I think all of those expectations along the way Kind of had to like, before I would go into them, think, okay, this is going to look really different than what you always thought. Um, It's going to be harder. I had a lot of friends at the same time having kids and seeing their like gender reveal parties and baby showers with the husbands there and all these things. I had to kind of adjust that like my journey is going to look different than theirs. It's not worse or anything. It's just different and that's okay. Um, Yeah. And that's kind of along with grief. That's just something I, have to continually adjust in my mind
0: you talked a little bit about in your book about the guilt that you felt for different things um and that part really struck me because and I had told Carolyn about this earlier I had found different spots where you had said that the guilt you were feeling was over things that you didn't even do wrong Mm -hmm. Um, and that hit me because I thought how many things do we feel guilty about that I let eat me up that I might not even be wrong about. And I found that fascinating when I was reading your story and even hearing you now talk about the expectations and how it's just different. It's not wrong. It's just different. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you kind of came to that realization of maybe the guilt that we're feeling doesn't always have to be associated with what, is, what we've done wrong?
2: Yeah, um, Yeah. I talk about that in kind of in the middle of the book. I end up moving out of my hometown where I lived um, started dating a new guy a little bit after my divorce was finalized um, and then that ended and I decided I wanted to move back home um, and a lot of my family had moved with me we all moved to Nashville Tennessee kind of like together in this mass exodus is kind of weird <laughs> but um, I was like sure I'll go start over somewhere new um, but it ended up being just terrible timing. Um, And so I wanted to come back home. And so I felt a ton of guilt about that, about going there with my family. And then I was the only one who would be leaving to come back home. So I felt super guilty leaving them, kind of undoing this decision not too long after we had been there. Um, And so, yeah, that's when I kind of started going to counseling for the first time, which was super helpful. And I feel like everyone should be in counseling all the time. Um, (laughs) um, but it was really eye opening because I talked a lot about that, um, with my counselor Liz, just saying like how guilty I was feeling about the decision and like just that that's the way I was leaning, I hadn't like for sure decided it yet. Um, and she was kind of like, she was the one who first said it to me, like, if like guilt implies that you've done something wrong, so what'd you do wrong? And I was like, well, nothing, (laughs) like, it's not a bad decision it's just like something I need to decide for myself and for my daughter um I just hated the way it was affecting other people um and she was like if you haven't done anything wrong you don't have any reason to feel guilty and it kind of wasn't like instantly gone or anything but it helped to like just be confident in my decision even though it might um hurt them to leave and they might not totally understand it um, I knew eventually they would, and I knew it was the right decision for me um and so, yeah, it was just kind of a different mindset. I try to remember that now, especially with like mom guilt that everybody feels um like working on my business when my daughter's home that's there's nothing wrong with that, like I have to work to earn money <laughs> to pay for a house and food um and so yeah, I just try to remind myself that that it's you're doing something wrong yeah feel guilty but if you're not then it's just maybe it goes back to just adjusting your expectations and what you thought this scenario should look like it's not wrong it's just different
1: you also talk a lot in the book kind of about your support system as you got through such a challenging time and continues to be a challenging time you know trying to be a mom in any way is always hard but yeah
2: for sure
1: um, so you talk a lot about kind of some of the specific people, your family that kind of helped you through it. Also, obviously the counselor, like you were just mentioning, um, and even going to a small group, like a women's Bible study type small group. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about what that's like to need so much help. <laughs> Which, yes. <laughs> because I feel like we all are, are in that place of wanting to be the ones who help, but not wanting to be the ones who need to be helped. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it is such a humbling experience when you have to take your turn as the one needing help, um, and yet being willing to kind of step into that. What was that like for you?
2: Yeah, I'm not very good at asking for help. (laughs) So it was, um, it still is for sure a learning experience, and I have to like force myself to ask for it sometimes. Um, And it, yeah, I had my mom and my dad, They're Divorced also, but um, I have a great relationship with each of them. So they were huge um, support people for me during it. Um, I have two older brothers who were both super supportive. Um, So yeah, they were great, and friends were great. And I think that was kind of something I wasn't expecting when I moved to Nashville. I was kind of a. Some of my family moved with me. Um, One brother and my mom moved with me, um, but it's like I left the rest of my support system. I didn't realize how challenging that would be and going to a new city where I didn't know anybody. um, I had never even been there before and I agreed to move there. Um, And it was, it was super challenging because I had just gone through like all of this crazy stuff and was still trying to like deal with all of it. And then trying to meet new people where, you know, I didn't feel like I could just dump all of that on them right away kind of scare off some people and so um that's why it was really great to go to counseling because it was I could dump all my stuff with her and she welcomed it and that was her job you know but um it was kind of difficult to do with people that you just met as a friendship um so that was a big part of moving back home and um joining this other uh group of women and other moms that were kind of Um, At the time, I was the only single mom, so we didn't have that in common, but we all had kids similar ages and kind of uh, mutual friends and things like that. So just being back around something like that, that kind of community was super, super helpful to me. Um, But yeah, it's still really hard to to like ask for help. I have an old house and so I have a lot of repairs and yard work and it's been hard to call friends and be like, can your husband come over and... (laughs) break leaves or bag leaves for me or can someone do this whatever but um I think it is like something that I've learned through all of that um is that it is like people want to help and like I guess whenever I think of it in reverse like if I see someone who's like struggling or needs help with some task or whatever that I know I can do or I can take off their plate like it's uh it's like it's enjoyable to be able to help them and so like kind of changing your mindset to offer that to somebody else like they want to help they want to be able to like lift you up and help you get through this thing so like it's not a burden on them it can feel like that but it's really not and it could be like a really small thing that they don't you know it's for sure not a burden um I kind of, I thought of a good example that just happened like a week ago. Um, A good friend of mine who's also a single mom, she, like over Christmas, my daughter had kind of been like melting down a lot and I was just super tired and had a lot of companies staying at my house. Um, And so she had had some people over and I was going to go and I was just too tired. And so I was like, sorry, I can't come. Um, And later that day, she was like, can I bring you some food uh, left over from like this brunch that we had? And I didn't reply yet, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to like, I don't want her to have to drive to my house and bring it to me, and I'm like in my pajamas or whatever. Um, And then later, she texted, she's like, you know what, I don't need permission. Um, I'm just going to leave it on your front door, so you don't have to see me, you don't have to talk to me. (laughs) But so it was just like helpful to think like, yeah, we don't always need permission either to, or we don't have to wait for someone to ask to help. We can just offer it, and because they might need it, and they might just be too afraid to say yes to it even when you ask so um little stuff like that i'm like yeah you don't need permission <laughs> you can bring over the food so
1: such a good point cause i think we talk ourselves out of it sometimes mm-hmm. you know have, like this idea to get, drop off food for somebody or you know to help them out in some way and then we convince ourselves no they don't really need it they're gonna think this about mm-hmm. me or you know and we tend to talk ourselves out of it and that i think that's crazy
2: <laughs> yeah
1: we all we all need that help and we all need to take the turns being the one to help and being the one to
0: need the help and stuff. yeah
2: yeah for sure
0: and I love how you said I love how you said that they want to help I had a time in my life when I really needed help and I needed people to step into a really hard spot with me and I had someone tell me like you think you're burdening them but You're giving them an opportunity and they want to participate in your life. He said, we're blocking them from participating and that's what they want to do. And I kept thinking like, no, (laughs) (laughs) if they wanted to participate, I would know. And he's like, no, they are. They're there. They're texting. They're saying, how can I help? They want to participate. Don't steal that from them, that opportunity of letting them participate in your life. And I love that because we don't always think that they want to. Our first go-to is we're a burden. Yeah to see how no maybe we're giving them an opportunity to do something they want to do
2: yeah yeah I think of when someone texts me and or calls me and they're like "Oh, I'm going through this thing my first reaction is like what can I do to help you like I want to be there for you and for us to just like deny people that it's hard it makes it hard for them to connect and like let them in to our lives I think
0: yeah and it, it is you're right when we have when we have that chance to be on the other side we almost feel honored
2: you know, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: that spot, but we don't seem to think that we could be honoring someone else by letting them come into it with us.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: How did you, talking back about when you went back to, and you found those women in that group um, back when you went home, I remember in the book, it, it was somewhat scary. You said like, you didn't really want to go, but you knew you needed to go. And I'm wondering how, like practically applying that for the rest of us, How do we make that first step of finding women that we don't necessarily know, but we're like, no, we're going to go anyway. How do we make that first step of showing up and being vulnerable enough of maybe not sharing too much and dumping everything yet, but sharing enough to actually be vulnerable enough to make a connection and to start a real friendship? How did you find that play out for you?
2: Um, I think I was really lucky in that there was kind of this group of women that was already formed among themselves and had been, meeting on a regular basis um and i happened to know one girl that was in it um kind of like through mutual friends knew of some other people but didn't actually know them um and so when i moved back i um had was having lunch i think with this friend who was in it and i was like i'm coming back but i kind of feel like you know friendships that i left or have kind of moved on some of them and um, like my mom's not here. It's first time living not on the same place as my mom for my entire life, which is weird. Um, and my brother and his family are not here, and so it was just like kind of telling her that that was going to be a weird transition. And she invited me to come to this group. And so the next time that they were meeting um, was like literally the week that I moved back home, and I was like, you know, my house was covered in boxes, and I was overwhelmed. But I was like, I have to go because I have, like, I know that I need this community of people, even if, like, it doesn't turn into anything or I don't stick with it or whatever, like, I just know that I need to be around, like, people because I'm a hermit and I can easily just shut in and stay home and, like, not let anybody in. So, yeah, I kind of forced myself to go. Um, And it just felt like, I think a big factor in it is um, how they were. They were really welcoming of hard stories and they were sharing their own hard stories and it was hard being the new person and kind of feeling like I'm just yeah like I'm dumping all this stuff on you and here's all my crap and (laughs) I don't know what you guys are going to do with it but here it is um but they were you know their reaction to it was as important as me wanting to be vulnerable with them they made me comfortable and it um it kind of showed me That, like, later down the road, if I'm meeting with someone or I meet a new person who's gone through something hard, like, I need to show them that, like, it's okay to dump your stuff on me. I've done that to other people, and I know, like, it's important to be receptive to that. And not that you have to, like, provide solutions for whatever they're going through, but just being a listener and um, being there for them, even if that means just sitting and being quiet and listening to what they're saying. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that answers it, but.
1: (laughs) One of my favorite things that you kind of talk a lot about in your book is um, kind of still being in the middle of all of this, that we tend to wait, whether it's in groups or with family members or whoever, we kind of tend to wait until the problem is all done and wrapped up in a pretty bow, and then we say, well, I had this problem, but now I fixed it, and I'm all better, and here it is, instead of what you were trying to do, I think, of just stepping into the middle of it and saying, "I don't know how this is going to end, I don't have it all fixed, it's not all pretty, but I'm inviting you to be a part of it anyway." Um, and mm-hmm. as the reader, it felt really honoring to be a part of that story, to be able to kind of step into it in the middle of it with you. Um, and, but yet I know it must be really hard to, to, to bring this out into the world and say, "I don't have a, a solution." <laughs> I don't have the capture. I just know this is where I'm at right now. Um, what is that like to, to be that vulnerable?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I put off writing it for a while cause I was waiting for an ending or, um, to be remarried or have a new family or whatever, but, um, none of that stuff has come yet and I don't know if it will. And so, um, just, yeah, I was kind of listening to a different podcast actually. Um, when I was kind of like thinking about all these things and feeling the urge to write, but I was like, you know, I don't want to just write like a story about how hard it is. And then <laughs> like, that's it. You know, I was like, it has to have an ending. It has to like encourage some people in some way. Um, and I was listening to an interview with the lady who was talking about infertility and um, she was saying that like, you know, they haven't gotten pregnant yet. They hear stories all the time of women who, um, they were, you know, couldn't conceive for a long time. And then they got pregnant and now they have their baby and everything's great. Um, and she was like, I'm still in the middle of it. And nobody really shares about what it's like to like still be going through something and not have the result that you've been waiting for. Um, or, you know, just being stuck, kind of not having control over like that ending that you're wanting. Um, and it was like the light bulb moment for me. I was like, you're right. Nobody talks about this. Um so, I just kind of started writing there, and it was it was an interesting writing process, I think because i i mean there were a lot of days where I would have some something happen with my daughter, and like that night I would just literally just write it into my manuscript of like this just happened and like here's this thing that kind of it reminded me of or I learned from it um so I feel like I was writing my life down as it was happening, which was kind of therapeutic in a way um. But yeah, I think it's encouraging because nobody, nobody has it all figured out and ending and everything's wrapped up with a bow. It's kind of everybody's always in the middle is kind of what I learned at the end of it. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to hear that was encouraging other people. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was. Was it, was, from the writer's perspective, was it scary to put that out there in such the middle spot? Um, in
2: so yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to like broadcast to the world. Like I don't have things figured out and here are times where, you know, it doesn't make me look real great. And times where I wasn't a great mom and other times where um, maybe it was better or whatever. It's, it's for sure hard to, and it's still weird. I think to um, talk to people like you guys who have read it and I'm like, ah, you know everything about me. (laughs) But But then I'm like, wait, I did that on purpose.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is true. So I love the way that you kind of ended, it's weird saying that now that we just Mm -hmm. talked about, but I love the way you ended it with the letters to all of the women. Yeah. And for our listeners, obviously we encourage you have to go read the book because it (laughs) it was a great story, but also the ending really captured me on how you hit and you realized that your story might seem at first like it's for single moms.
2: Mm-hmm. But it was
0: really in, in its own way for everyone. And I told her there was pieces of myself that I saw throughout it and I'm married and have two kids. And there was, you know, there was pieces that my single mom was like reeling over because she connected so much. And there was pieces that my single friend who doesn't even have kids noticed. And I'm curious what you would kind of say as an overarching, I know it's very general, but general like thing to women that might be in that in-between spot and are afraid of sharing it with other people. um, What would be kind of, if you could wrap it all up for all women in one thing, what would you say to us?
2: Yeah, that's hard. Cause it, like you said, everyone's in so many different places. Um, It's good to hear though, that so many different women resonated with it. Um, I mean, kind of like the title says, and that's kind of how I end each letter that you're a strong girl and you're a brave girl um and you'll have to read the book to learn where that little saying comes from but um yeah just that you can do hard things and it's it's not the end of your story there's more to it um and whatever it is that you're going through you'll get through it and if you're in a season where um everything's great and rosy like just kind of remind yourself even now when you have the clear head that you're strong and you're brave and if something does come up later um, that you will survive it. And it's not the end of the world. It's just the middle. It's maybe a different, uh, storyline than you expected, but it's, you can change your expectations and still, um, thrive in it. So.
0: What
1: would you give us some really practical advice? Um, I know sometimes it's great to connect with other people's story and you, hear that you resonate with it and then you feel like okay but now what do i do next what do i do in the next hour what do i do in the next day so so maybe somebody whose life is being changed or the last few weeks have just completely been different than they expected and have changed everything that they thought um was the future for them what would you give to them as some really practical things to do um, just in the next few days and weeks yeah
2: i think um kind of how we talked about before having a community around you, um, and reaching out to them for help. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a set group of people. It could be one single person just that you, um, that you trust and that you, um, respect and you feel comfortable with, um, and sharing what's going on with them. Um, I think it's, I feel like I'm learning more and more through like seeing things that other, good friends are going through and what their families are going through like your friendships are like what I feel like keeps you alive (laughs) sometimes and keeps you going um and whether that's a friend or a family member but just talking to somebody about it and being open um and not being afraid of um what they're going to say or and that goes back to it should be someone that you trust and you're comfortable with but just talking about it I think is helpful
0: yeah, that is, That's a really, that's a really good point. And being able, like you said, to talk about it with someone that you trust, because I think like you had said, you had showed up to that place and you met those women, but it took over time to make a spot where they had earned that place in your life.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's helpful. Well, I'm curious on a completely different note, we kind of like, we're going to try to end the podcast with a couple of just questions for you. And I'm yeah. curious, um, especially being an author, we always love to know. What books are you reading right now?
2: Oh, um, I'm in, so this group of women that I'm with, we usually read a book uh, all together. Um, and so we're reading Finding God in the Waves by Mike. I can't think of his last name. It's like Science Mike is his podcast. Career. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how everybody knows. Him. Yeah. Um, so we're reading that. That's really interesting. Um, And then I also just started reading um, Nora McInerney's book, uh, It's Okay to Laugh, and then in parentheses, crying is okay too. (laughs) Um, And I really, I've like kind of become obsessed with her. I love um, her. She has a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Um, And it's a lot of like really sad, heartbreaking stories, but it's like the way she tells them is uplifting and sometimes even like adds humor into it in a really respectful way. Um and so yeah, I just really I I love her the way she tells stories and she has a crazy story herself. And so this book is kind of about um that journey. Her husband had died of cancer and um her dad died shortly after and it was just a lot of like death all in a row. Um and then she had a baby shortly before I think. So um, it's a really interesting book, and I just like the way she tells a sad story. It doesn't make you feel sad.
0: (laughs) That's true. And since you said the podcast, are there any other podcasts that you listen to as well?
2: Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. (laughs) I've been in the process of painting some doors that are being replaced in my house, and literally all weekend I've painted doors like... (laughs) till I from when I woke up to went to bed and I was just listening to podcasts. So um I I listened to one called Last Scene which was about like an art heist. So <laughs> I think I I've, I've found that like I don't like listening to like um real businessy podcasts or like I mean occasionally I'll listen to one for some reason but um I don't know, I feel like I'm in my business all day, so sometimes I want to escape it and think about something totally different. So I like that one, or um, like Slow Burn and Bagman are like some political, like investigative journalism type ones that I've really been enjoying. So kind of totally unrelated to anything I do, but it's kind of fun to, like, escape.
0: Yeah, and to jump into a story while you're doing something like
2: that. Yeah, I found I really like the ones that just tell a story over several episodes. Um, Yeah, I like storytelling.
1: Um, I'm just wondering, like, what does 2019 look like for you? Are you still doing a lot of writing? Are you kind of just focused on your business? Are you focused on being a mom? Are you trying to balance it all? Like, just what is the, the future? Yeah.
2: Um, I'm trying to like kind of simplify my business a little bit and cut out stuff that's not working um, and really focus on what is working and how I can make that even better and more consistent and kind of grow that. Um, My daughter starts kindergarten, so it's like in the fall. And so it feels like it's kind of suddenly hit me like, oh, no, she's going to be there every day. So like this is my last like season with her where I'll have her home so much. Um, so trying to like simplify my business so that I can have more time with her, um, before she goes off to school. Um, yeah. And still, I'm kind of like slowly easing back into writing. It was like so much writing all of last year that I think it like, it didn't burn me out, but I just wanted to break from it. And so, um, but for sure want to write more books and I don't know what they'll be about, but, um, that's definitely on my mind. So maybe that'll, that process will start up again later this year.
0: Well, we hope so. We enjoyed reading <laughs> your last one. Um, where can people get kind of in, in contact with you? And if they want to follow your story or follow where you are now, where's the best spot for them to do that?
2: Yeah, um, my website is papernotes.com. That's kind of where everything is. And then I'm mostly on Instagram, which is just at paper and oats. As well. So that's kind of the main place I hang out.
0: Awesome. Well, I encourage everyone to go follow her. I follow and I love your encouraging posts. I love seeing your pictures of Poppy. I feel like it's (laughs) a little bit of, you know, we get to throw some real life pictures along with the story that we read. And that's always just like we've said, encouraging. And it's a real story and it makes the connection even more real. So go follow and go check it out and get the book. Um, It was really inspiring. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for making the time to meet with us. Um, for sharing your story. So open and honest and just being able to connect with us today. We appreciate your
2: time. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.